Now, it's Thursday Finance with Stephen Pritchard, Certified Accountant, Stockbroker and Financial Planner. And Stephen Pritchard turning up again for Thursday Finance. Nice to see you again. Nice to see you, Jay. what are we talking about today? What are we going to focus on? Um, What are we going to focus on? We've got Richard Murphy along and he's going to talk to us about... um, um, uh, what's happening at the Royal Commission, which I'm sure we're all getting sick to death of, but more importantly, what 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 the outcome of that is expected to be in the in the bond market and um, and your savings, interest rates, and things like that. So that that'll be quite interesting. That sounds good. Okay. What uh, currencies and commodities? So, up so to? the gold's glittering a bit less this week than last week. Oh so dear. it was down down eighteen sixty. $18.63 to $1,627 an ounce. Uh, the copper price was down uh, $22 to $8,273 and the crude oil price was down $1.40 to a barrel to $97.16. Mm-hmm. Um, the Australian dollar was, was worth a bit more around the world. Um, um, you were up uh, up almost half uh, six point six of a cent to seventy four point three one, which is uh, seventy four. It hasn't been over seventy four for about six weeks, so that's not too bad. Um, we're up against the Great British Pound by one point nine percent to fifty seven point six nine pence, yeah. and we were up against the US, uh, the New Zealand dollar by one point three percent to dollar one. And against the euro, we're up 0.7 to 64.02 euro cents. So you reckon we should all go travelling? It's got a bit cheaper to go travelling. Mm. Yeah, it's got a bit cheaper to go travelling. Okay. I don't think it'll pay for the trip, though. It hasn't got that much cheaper. Doesn't sound like to see the dollar back up around a dollar again, that would be be 30% cheaper. Great. 30% cheaper. Um, And then... Um, the All Ordinaries, yes. um, we're in the black of all the markets around the world, basically, that we look at. Um, the All Ordinaries was um, was up 27 points to 6,354. The S&P 500 was up 1% to $30, uh, was up 1% to $2,857. And in the UK, it was up uh, 2.6% to 7,766. So quite a good world for equity investors this week. Um, in, in some local um, investment stocks that people like here, um, uh, BHP was up uh, up $0.02 cents to 33.94. Um, CBA was up one point. A dollar thirteen, sorry, a dollar thirteen to seventy-four dollars eighty-one, which is the highest it's been in about four weeks. And NIB um, was up on six cents to five to five dollars sixty-eight. And the fuel prices um, in Newcastle, we were down um, one and a half cents to a. One dollar forty-five point seven a litre, and in Sydney a dollar thirty-seven point three a litre. The diesel price in Newcastle was pretty much steady, a dollar fifty-one point nine, and in Sydney marginally down by point three cents to a dollar forty-nine point one. So when's the next lot of holidays coming up? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and will the fuel price reflect that? That remains to be seen. A market update coming your way next with Henry Jennings. And just a note on the roads, thanks to Mike Tripaz, who's rung in to say Hanel Street has traffic banked all the way back to Stewart Avenue. And, well, yes, if you can go another way. Well, sorry, Stim. It's always like that. It's though. always like that. Every time I go down there, Stuart Evans backed up in a handle street. Yeah, okay, well, 
with Henry Jennings from the Marcus Today Financial Newsletter. Henry. Welcome back, Stephen. Welcome back, Henry. Well, I've, I've, I've been here all the time. We've been here. Well, I, we saw, I, we? I saw on Facebook that you were flying to Brisbane when I was up there. I was. I was at the AIA conference up on the Gold Coast oh. doing my thing. Oh, okay. Well, I'm sure they were all entertained. Um, so, did you get did you get that off Seek? Did you, did you get the <laughs> advertising <laughs> Seek for you to go up there? No, they they specially requested me. I'm, I'm the stand up. I can believe that. <laughs> I can believe that. <laughs> I think I'm the stand up anyway. Yeah. So, Seek's more. I saw you standing up on uh, Sky Television. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Seek Seek's born of a profit downgrade or falling profits. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, we're in the middle of, uh, well, we've just kicked off yes. the season, so um, there's a few things happening. Seek uh, had some money they wrote off in their um, South American businesses. That things aren't going too well for them over there. Going pretty well in Australia and New Zealand uh, and in Asia, but they do have some issues in South America. The stock price did take a bit of a fall, and I guess it just goes to show that in, in profit reporting season, you do need to live up to expectations, and in some cases, you need to exceed expectations, otherwise the market can be quite vicious um, with its reaction to your share price. Yes. Mm, yes. And then ASIC's latest plan is, a, is a, you know, I kind of I almost fell off the chair on this. So they, yeah, this they is a corker, is They're going to place staff inside the big banks and AMP. Yeah. So what are these staff going to be doing in there? Well, apparently they're going to be following... Um, <laughs> going to be following um, leadership and management groups around, attending board meetings and broken uh, upgrades, uh, meetings and those sorts of things. They're going to be the most popular people in the place. Um, they're not going to be invited to any drinks or Christmas parties or anything like that. And the, the danger is that usually, um, well, the problem with all these things is that the government doesn't pay as well as the private sector. Mm. You've only got to ask uh, Mike Baird in New South Wales how that's working out, because clearly the private sectors are far better payer for him at NABS than it was in the private sector. So anybody that's any good with ASIC um, is going to get nicked by the bank themselves. Um, so this is a danger. And of course, ASIC is, is saying, well, you know, we're going to rotate people through so they don't fall into kind of the Stockholm syndrome, I guess. Um, there they are, sort of hostages to the banks, um, and they might start to um, actually sort of get um, get embedded too far in the uh, in the banking culture. So I guess it's um, it's an interesting step. Um, I'm not sure how it's going to work in practicality terms. Um, you know, banks are pretty good or have been certainly as far as the Royal Commission goes, pretty good at leaving people out of the loop. You've only got to look at um, AMP um, with some of their announcements and, and how they left uh, or supposedly left the CEO out of the loop. Um, you'd imagine that if they can leave the CEO out of the loop, then they can easily leave the ASIC people out of the loop if things uh, get a bit tight. So I'm, I'm not convinced this is the answer, but it's, I guess it's a step in the right direction. Interestingly, ASIC have had their uh, funding raised um, Scott Morrison was very, very, um, very quick on the front foot to, to say how much funding they'd raised. It, interestingly, back in May, in the budget, they had their funding cut. Mm. So, yeah, it's um, different strokes for different blokes. Yes, yes, and uh, talk about cutting AMPs experiencing record outflows. Yeah, well, of course, AMPs in, in what I consider the dog basket at the yes, moment, yes. a bunch of five stocks which I've named the dog basket. Um, yeah, so they did their best yesterday when their results came out to kind of um, put a, a good spin on things, a, you know, a positive spin on things. Uh, the 
for the AMP, I guess, compared to the CBA, which also reported yesterday, is that the CBA model is not broken. Uh, they may have had some issues with culture, they may have had some issues with uh, advisors and stuff along those lines, and they're certainly copying it in terms of fines and remediation, which is fantastic um, for customers, but their model is not broken. They're, they're a retail behemoth mm-hmm. in the banking sector, whereas the AMP model could well and truly be broken. Um, the Royal Commission could really hit them hard, and of course, you know, the market's relieved that it didn't get any worse with the numbers, and it did mark the stock price up a little bit yesterday, but the, the question marks remain um, about grandfather's advisor commission, um, the whole um, fact that advisors could leave and make AMP buy them out as the, uh, the buyer of last resort, um, so there's an awful lot of issues, apart from that, I haven't even got a CEO that's, um, that's full-time, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, out of the two to report yesterday, I think CBA came out somewhat better. Uh, and Matt Common was all over every news channel, um, yes. everywhere. And he's, you know, he's a charming, um, youthful, dynamic-looking CEO, which is trying to put the past behind him. So maybe maybe they have. Share market certainly liked it. Yeah, so what else is in the dog basket? In my dog basket, I had, uh, um, let me look, I had uh, Retail Food Group. Ah, yeah, AMP, yeah. Yeah, AMP, um, Blue Sky, Telstra, and QBE. Oh, okay. And uh, actually, the, the dogs have been barking to some extent, <laughs> especially especially Blue Sky, which uh, after I wrote this up in the newsletter, it um, it had a, a huge rally, um, not because of me, but um, just because of uh, things. It's since uh, fallen back in a bit of a bit of a heap. But um, yeah, those are the kind of the, the, the dog stocks which could provide some turnaround fun and games, I guess. So they've there's thrown a few bangs to the shareholders. At oh, there's plenty more in that basket. Yeah. I have to say, you could, you could put you know a whole litter in that um, in that dog basket with uh, with plenty of stocks, you know, Meyer and all those sorts oh, of stocks my. as well. I noticed the Meyer share price has gone up a little lately. Oh, at 50 cents. I don't think anybody really looks at it anymore, do they? No, no it was only because someone mentioned to me it had gone 50 cents, and I said, oh, has it? We're 47 and a half today. So, oh, well, that was a couple um, of days ago. But yeah, yeah. I, think, I, think that, I think maybe Solly's probably on holidays at the moment, sunning yeah. himself in the yeah. European climes, and as a result, he's probably not so much on the, the antagonistic front. So we might just uh, have a quick chat about AMCOR and then go for a quick uh, sure. break. So AMCOR has announced his takeover, and now it's going to move its primary listing from ASX to New York. Yeah, this is always uh, this is always great for investors. Um, um, yeah, they're, they're buying a business in the US called Bemis. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've pronounced that right. Um, there, there's some jokes in there somewhere along with um, the, uh, the Bemis and Behead. But um, Amcor, they're paying, well, it's, a, it's kind of a merger really, but it's a $7 billion uh, acquisition. Uh, Amcor end up with 70% of the new company and Bemis shareholders end up with 30%, I think. Um, it's a big chunk for a $14 billion company. So it's half their market cap in a deal. So they're putting a lot of store on this deal. Um, Unfortunately, because they're now going to have their primary listing overseas, um, that upsets all the index funds because um, it's going to drop out of some of the the ASX indices um, because of that uh, primary listing issue. Um, So, um, you know, the the market doesn't like the deal at the moment. It's dropped from uh, sort of 15 bucks to 14 bucks. I suspect at some stage they'll get comfy with it. They will have to, and much like Borrell did when they announced their big uh, takeover in the U.S. as well um, of headwaters, uh, they took some time to get the market comfy, and then the stock price did uh, rally substantially 
before it fell over again. So um, maybe this is kind of the way this one will play out. But I think they need to go on the, the charm offensive. And, you know, shareholders, I guess, Amcor's such a well-known brand, um, a well-known company, and it's been around for a long time, even though they spun off Aurora, uh, the Australian packaging business. Um, you know, shareholders are probably going to be a bit sus when it's not going to have its primary listing in Australia and it's going to have this CDI uh, mm. listing here. So people do it, and, you know... Um, Clydesdale Bank have got one, and there's a number of other companies that have got them. It's not a, it's not a biggie, but it does drop out the indices and so, as such. Therefore, some funds won't be able to hold it, so that does put pressure on the share price. Mm. Uh, and Transurban's profits doubled to uh, 468 million. Must be lots of cars on the on the freeway. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I find it staggering. I don't travel on the um, the Sydney toll roads very often. I have to say, yeah. Harbour Bridge usually. But just when you do get, and it goes beep. Um, the amount of money now that toll roads are, you know, it started off at $2.50 or whatever it was all those years ago, and it seemed quite innocuous, and, um, you know, we, we chucked money at the, the, the attendant at the time, and now, of course, it's all electronic, so it's almost painless. Uh, your credit card gets ripped uh, apart and for, for topping it up, but, you know, $7.50, $8, and then when you start talking about trucks, the amount of money that they're spending, it is, it is a monopoly position. Now, the question, I guess, for Transurban, uh, the big question is what happens with WestConnex? Um, they're in the tender process to, uh, to buy that, um, and uh, the ACCC is currently looking at that. So um, if they were to get that, I think, well, currently they have around 90% of the, the toll roads in Australia, but if, uh, if they got WestConnex, they would, uh, they would have uh, a, massively, um, a massively huge moat to anybody else coming into their business. So um, if they did, then it might, um, it might mean that they have to raise some capital, and the market is certainly talking about they might need to raise about $2 billion in equity um, to, uh, to part fund it. So uh, this will be a big thing. I think September is uh, the ACCC is due to report back on this one. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a machine, really, isn't it? It's just mm. collect. It's not... And the, and the guy that runs it is, um, you know, he's now a $7 million man. He's, he's uh, better than Steve Austin. It's, it's uh, extraordinary. For, I mean, for, uh, uh, he hasn't built the roads. Uh, they just take it over, financially engineer it, and just collect uh, the money. How good's that gig? Well, you have to wonder why the, the various state governments didn't build the roads and just finance it with state government bonds. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, I, I, I seem to remember that borrowing money, governments borrowing money was bad, even though when the interest rates were massively low, um, they could have done so really easily. That's right. Um, but instead they handed over to the private-public partnership system um, and um, motorists have been paying the, the consequences ever since. Yeah, and reading the story about HealthScape the other day about how much money they're going to make out of that northern uh, beaches hospital, I don't think anything's changed. No, it, it's massive. It, it, you know, it's a huge, huge um, hospital. It's uh, due to open in October. I drive past it quite a lot, um, and it is a massive thing. So. And HealthScape's going to be getting a check for four hundred million when it opens. Yeah, well, we probably need it. Uh, anyhow, <laughs> um, uh, Infigens, who I can never pronounce, as shares have fallen. They're, they're the wind generator on downgrading earnings forecasts. Yeah, well, again, this goes to the heart of you know earnings season. Again, do not disappoint, mm-hmm. um, and they did. Um, I guess um, we live in a in a country which doesn't seem to be embracing uh, new technology. 
um, and um, in terms of um, renewables. So, yeah, no, it's um, it's, it's always. I mean, we even saw today AGL's figures came out today, uh, which were pretty good. I've got to say, 1.1 billion, I think, in profits. And um, next year they're going to make pretty much the same, which is a bit disappointing. So the market's tanked there as well. Um, so yeah, it's. I guess this all goes. This is a very political sector. It's very hard to. Uh, to get excited about something which is so um, such a football around Canberra and various other places. So, yeah, steering clear of infrastructure at the moment. And uh, New Hope has bought West Farmer's last remaining coal asset. And they seem yeah, to, the, the market the seems to think it's a bit of a bargain. Well, they, they, it's, it's rare, um, but a deal gets done between two parties and both parties seem to get rewarded for the deal. Um, both both West Farmers and New Hope rose on the deal. Uh, New Hope have gone um, pretty stellar since three three dollars ten to about three sixty five. Whereas uh, West Farmers seem to be coming off a little bit at the moment. Um, but yeah, no, that it's um, finally West Farmers have got out of coal. They're getting out of coals. Um, I'm not sure what other things they can get out of. But um, the new CEO is very much um, streamlining. I guess is one word. When we're putting it, streamlining the business, taking it back to simple things like Bunnings and Office Works and those sorts of things. They've got a chemical business as well. Mm-hmm. And the market still likes West Farmers. I'm, I'm puzzled. I must admit, I, I'm, I'm surprised they're still 50 bucks. Um, you know, there's not. I, mean, I don't know. Bunnings is a, is a behemoth of, of uh, DIY retailing, but still, um, you know, the, the question mark, I guess, is what they do with all the cash that they are. Uh, raising, of course, they're not getting cash for coals. It's a demerger, um, but certainly with the um, with the coal asset they sold to New Hope, um, they are getting cash. So where are they going to put the money? Is the question, or are they just going to give it back to shareholders? I don't know. I think shareholders at the moment seem to think they'll get some uh, some money back. Yes, that's right. Of course, uh, Bunnings is supposed to got a forty seven percent return on equity, though. So yeah, all those all those blokes wandering around. Saturday talking to lots of other blokes in red aprons that right. scurry like cockroaches as soon as you have a question. Yes, yes, yes. They, yes. Hide, they hide somewhere and, and come out with, oh, yes, that's I'm not sure, my department. You I'm sure they recognise you, Henry. No, sure from but it's one of those stores where you go in to get a, a, you know, a yeah, packet of nails know, and screws and you end up spending $200 on stuff you really don't need but think you should mm-hmm. do at some stage. Particularly if you take your wife along with you. Oh, <laughs> yeah, danger. All sorts of other things we need to buy. Danger, danger. Oh, no, Nothing okay. like a sausage sizzle and a trip to Bunnings on a Saturday morning to, to really get the juices flowing. So, of course, Jane's laughing because the same thing happens when she takes Jeffrey along there. So no, well, my, my we've, wife's got Jane as well. So. Equal, equal treatment here. Okay, exactly. so all Janes are the same, I'm sure. They're all Janes are the same. <laughs> so, thanks for that, Henry. And we're joined now by Richard Murphy, who is CEO of the Australian Bond Company. And uh, so he's in a good position to know about bonds. We're going to find out how the Banking Commission, Stephen Pritchard, is affecting the market. So, Richard, uh, we've been hearing about the Banking Royal Commission for, uh, it seems like, months, but I think it's only been a couple. Um, and, yep. and and subsequent to that, um, there's been a couple of research polls done on um, banking sentiment, and, and the results aren't too good. Do you want to just go through those? Yeah, look, obviously it's been a kind of a rolling um, development. The Banking Royal Commission moved to superannuation now, and it's got to keep on going for the rest of the year. But... Um, the, those two reports that we saw recently they were done by Deloitte and Nielsen, two you know, very reputable um, organizations that would do these sorts of surveys. And they were, they were trying to get into the question of 
how is it affecting people's level of trust? And they found that, not surprisingly, as you can imagine with all the things coming out, that there was an awful lot of disillusioned investors and savers and three million dissatisfied investors, two million of these looking at switching banks. But at the same time, they're saying, but switching banks is, is not that easy if you have your mortgage with them and your savings and maybe turn deposits and maybe even insurance, etc. But and it was hard to switch banks, but an awful lot of people were generally dissatisfied. Yeah, but I mean, we've got a lot of clients who deal with them. Um and, and you know, we see the relationships with all, with all the banks, and and really, when they came to us, if clients come to us and say they're going to switch banks, my response is, well, you know, you're going to go through a lot of hassle, but I really don't think you're going to achieve much. They're all basically, they're all basically the same. They all offer the same products. You might be a bit cheaper here, but it's made up on something else. So, yeah, so it's very difficult. To, you're right; it's difficult and time-consuming. But but unless you go to some of the smaller institutions, if they can actually handle the type of business you want to do, it's it's very difficult. And so the you know the deposit rates, the the margin between the the bank's margins generally between the deposit rates and the the loan rates. Um, seem to be increasing. Do you, do you find that's the case? Um, yeah, a little bit. I mean, the deposit rates just are just locked in yep. um, and to that to that non-moving, you know, reserve bank cash rate, which is one and a half percent. And everybody in the market basically is saying now, um, look, it's it's going to stay that way definitely this year, and probably all of next year into 2020 and and maybe even the case for it to go down so deposit rates turn deposit rates uh, won't change but linking that back to what we talked about a couple of minutes ago where people are saying well i don't really want to change my banking relationship or if i do you know i'm just moving to another one that's um very very similar terms but my term deposit at two percent maybe it's time and we're hearing this from financial advisors saying well um we've been thinking about corporate bonds and the messages we've been telling them about why, as a comparison, um, while bonds are not the same as bank accounts, um, there's sort of a bit more return for a bit more risk. They are now thinking about that, given the context of, well, A, I'm pissed off my bank, and B, I really don't want to be getting 2% for the next two years. Maybe I should be thinking about um, with next time it rolls in three months or six months, because these things do roll. And then that's not very hard to just move the money into your cash management accounts. If that's if people have a cash management account with a broker, um, mm-hmm. then they can just move the money in there and, and decide I'm going to have a go at investing this money for the next year in corporate bonds. So, so what's that's, the, what, what, that's what's just the, an interesting one we're hearing. Yeah. So what, what sort of kind of yield are we going to get on you know corporate bonds now compared to a say a, a three month term deposit or something? Yeah. So a three month term deposit is somewhere between two and say two point three or two point four. Mm-hmm. Um, then you could get a a portfolio of three or four or five corporate bonds of the nature like a Qantas corporate bond or a uh, one of the major property trusts like a Dexas or Mervac. You could get a portfolio of three or four or five of those that would get you a yield of three and a half percent, three point four percent. So it would be a it would be a one percent uplift, which is about a thirty percent increase in the income you get. Um, the, the returns you get um, because you know two point four to three point four would be you know thirty plus percent return. Yeah. So so if, we, if we're talking about just put it into dollars terms on a on a hundred thousand dollars, you you you're going to be looking at a, another twenty dollars a week or a thousand dollars a year 
between uh, some, yeah some, something like that so it's not it's not insubstantial in terms of um, the, the, the increase in the, the the return you get overall um, yeah so your income is going to go from from you know, two thousand to a bit over two point two two thousand three hundred or a hundred thousand to three and a half thousand more or less yes yeah exactly. so that's yeah. a that's a reasonably good um, um, increase in income so is it these corporate bonds, what they're listed on the Australian Stock Exchange. So, so yeah, the ones are, I'm talking about the ones that yep. are listed on the Stock Exchange as XTB, because otherwise, the unlisted ones are available in five hundred thousand dollar lots, and not many people have that. Um, but the, the the bonds of all of these um, top one hundred ASX companies, and um, there's fifty of them now that are available on the ASX in with XTBs, exchange traded bonds. Okay. Um, and so, is are there, are there some with um, high yields for longer returns and things like that? Yeah, the, the highest is about three point eight percent for um, Illumina, which is yep. a company in the ASX one hundred. People probably heard that name. Um, Illumina is the highest yielding bond, and, and not surprisingly, bank bonds are the lowest yielding um, bonds because they're extremely safe, and therefore you get much much lower yield. And in fact, you're probably better off leaving your money in you know, a current deposit then putting it into a three-year bank bond yep. um, because the return wouldn't be any, any greater. Okay. Although people do, people do buy floating rate ones and they treat that as an alternative to cash management. Uh, floating yep. rate bonds are really stable, um, etc. So. Yeah, so, so there's all sorts of interesting things in, you know, in our, in our, you know, not so long ago, the only alternatives people had for fixed interest was basically, um, basically the, uh, uh, term deposits like we've spoken about or some of these fixed interest, uh, investment trusts. But the, the major difference with these bonds is you, you know what you, if you, if you, if you take, if you hold the bond to maturity, you know what your returns, um, going to be for that period. Whereas a fixed interest, um, investment type trust. You're never too sure what you're going to get there. That is a that is a critical distinction. It, it could be a wonderful fixed income investment trust or a fixed income ETF, but you never can know because they're they're taking this maturing bond and putting it into this everlasting vehicle, and you just simply don't know. Whereas holding the three bonds or five bonds that I'm talking about in your hand to maturity, you know, okay, I'm getting a hundred dollars back for each one of those when they mature. And I'm getting this one's giving me four percent um, um, coupon, and this one's giving me five point five percent coupon. But I know I can calculate that all and exactly what I'm going to get, just like in turn deposit, where you, you know what you're going to get before you invest in it. You know it's a fixed rate with your with hundred dollars back as when, when at the end of the investment. So that's the benefit of holding bonds in your hand, as opposed to buying an investment trust or managed fund or an ETF. Where you don't know, they're, they're they're related to fixed income, they're related to bonds, but they're just a different outcome. So that's a lot of advisors say their clients don't like that lack of predictability yeah. of yeah. ETF uh, managed funds. They love predictability with with bonds and term deposits. Yeah, I agree with that. So anyhow, thanks for that, uh, Richard. We'll probably talk to you in about six or eight weeks again and see how we're going Later. in the fixed interest market. All right, thanks, David. Thanks, Richard. And Richard Murphy, thanks very much. Um, Thursday Finance coming to the end. Um, yeah, there, there are lots of things to think about when you're looking at getting the best return on, on your money, aren't there, Steve? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the financial markets are kind of becoming, you know, more sophisticated and more developed and 
products that were only available in the wholesale market can now be bought in the retail market. And, you know, if you've got $100,000, um, you know, another $1,000 a year, you know, that's... that's <laughs> Nobody's going to sneeze, are they? <laughs> no, 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 that'll buy you a cappuccino every day for a week. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, sure will. And uh, Thursday Finance, you can catch this program on podcast.